Hi, welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Pastor Jose is starting a new series entitled, This Is Us. Today's message is called, We Love God. You're in for a great word. Let's listen in. Father's Day. So go ahead and slap a father a high five and tell him I'm so glad that you are here. Come on, they, come on, man. We got to show our father some love. Come on, Papa. What's up, bud? Good? Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. All right. So uh, just want to start off by saying thank you, thank you, thank you very much, all of you, for your love, your prayers, your support. Um, I appreciate you guys. And man, it, it's like, I, might, I should have just taken another weekend because Pastor Nate had a home run last week, right? She, uh, she, she brought the house down. Um, so we're starting a new series today, and we're entitling it, This Is Us. This Is Us. And as you saw, we took a random uh, a poll of random people, and we asked a simple question. What is a Christian? What's a Christian? And as we saw, people have different understandings of what a Christian is. From everything from an adherent to the uh, teachings of Jesus Christ to a follower of the edicts of Jesus Christ to someone who's just a good person to someone who just does good for people. And we heard uh, everything in between. But I got to ask you this question. I want you to consider this. Why are there so many different understandings of what it means to be a Christian? Why? Why is that? And so we're going to be really digging into this, and I'd like to start off by just sharing a quote with you from a guy named Mahatma Gandhi. And he said this once, he says, I like your Christ. He says, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now look, I'm not, I'm, please don't take that as a blanket statement over anyone here or everyone here. That's not what I'm saying, but if the shoe fits, change it. Don't wear it, change it. But I want you to think about this because today as we start this new series, we're going to be taking some time over the next couple of weeks to really look at what God's word has to say as to who we are as Christians, specifically some attributes that speak to that. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into that and we're going to see how that translates into who we are here at church at the bridge. This series is going to be a very personal one. Hey, if this is your first time coming to church at the bridge, we're so glad you're here. Don't want you to feel excluded in any way, but we're going to be doing a little house cleaning. How many of you know a little house cleaning is good? We're going to be challenged a little bit, and we're going to be exploring some things. And so uh, the reason why this is important is because we have to evaluate uh, what we're known for in our spheres of influence. And I'll tell you why. Because it says a lot about our God. It says a lot about the God that we profess to know and to love. And so as I've looked to the scriptures and meditated on this in my heart, I believe that uh, there's something that we all need to see. There's four specific areas that we, the body of Christ, and more specifically, we, Church at the Bridge, should be known for. And I want you to consider these. We should be known for our love for God. Our love for God. Think about that. Our love for God. We should be known as people of God for our love for people. Our love for people. We should be known for our service to our community, our service to our community. And lastly, we should be known for excellence in everything that we do. Listen closely. I want you to start thinking about this because there are distinguishing characteristics of who we are as people of God, and these things make a difference. I noticed that for some of us, we're a little bit more uh, sensitive to cold air than others, right? And some of us, we walk in and we go, it's freezing in here. Other of us, we go, it's hot in here. And if you're me, I'm everything in between, right? But how do you change that climate? How do you change that? And it's a simple question. And you know what we do? You walk to the thermostat and you change it. But I want you to think about this. I read this many years ago in a book from a guy named Tim Elmore. This guy was like big on youth and everything. He's a Christian. He's from uh, Georgia. And he, in his book, he asked this question. He says, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? 
he asked the question, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? And I'll tell you why I bring that up. Because we have the choice to either be a thermostat or a thermometer in life. We can either do what a thermostat does. We can change the environment around us or we can, can be a thermometer and reflect the environment or we can be a thermostat and we can dictate, we can change the environment. And so you can be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat by what you're known for. And today I want to begin by talking on one simple subject. We love God. We love God. I want to talk to you about that because the defining mark of a Christian is not how much they possess. It's not how blessed you are. It's not how much Bible scriptures you can spit like a machine gun. Blah, 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 blah. You ever been around one of those people? But the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and the Bible says this. And, and it's like, all, all right, sorry, Jesus Jr., let me, let me, let me, just, uh, let me just move out your way, right? Uh, or, or, you know, it's not how much you go to church. It's not how you dress. It's not, it, it's not any of those things. The mark of a Christian is defined first and foremost By their love for God. By their love for God. And nothing speaks to a love for God more than one who lives in love, in a love for God, by their uh, their, uh, following after Jesus. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You'll know someone who loves God as they follow God because they're known to be a disciple. A disciple. Now, that word disciple is very interesting. It's a simple word. It means a learner. It refers to someone who's a pupil. And if we're to truly appreciate what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a lifelong learner, a lifelong follower, think of it this way. A student, a teacher doesn't show up and follow the student. It's the other way around. The student follows the teacher. And we as disciples are called to follow after Christ. In Acts chapter 11, verses 26 uh, through 30, reading from the second half of verse 26, we begin to see this whole deal of what it means to be a disciple, and to love God. It says, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first. At Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, each one as was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas. And Saul. And so what was it that made these people disciples? What was it that distinguished them in their love for God? Listen, these people were so devoted in their love for God that people started calling them Christians. That might not mean much to many people today. We use that word so flippantly. It just rolls off the tongue. It, it really doesn't hold much weight today. When we asked people, what, what do you think, what's a Christian? You know what they told us? They told us, uh, they told us that a Christian is someone who adheres to certain rules, who follows certain beliefs. Not one person said a Christian is someone who loves God. That's a sad state of affairs. That's sad. And, I, and I'll tell you why I bring this up, because the word Christians, you know what it was? It was a term used to... Uh, point somebody out as one who was a little Christ. That's what Christian means. That's what Christian means. Listen, these people were so devoted in their love for God that people started calling them, there goes little Jesus. There goes one who resembles Christ. These people didn't just believe in Christ. They resembled him. They reminded people of Christ when he was on earth. Now, Everybody do this with me. Take your hands and act like you're looking in a mirror. And I want you to consider as you look in this mirror and you look at yourself, what do people see? Who do people know? What impact is your life and mine making? 
See, now you can put your hands down. Some of you are still looking at your hands. <laughs> Listen, these people so loved God and were so devoted to learning about Christ. Learning about Christ. That's what they were devoted to. They weren't devoted to a denomination. They weren't devoted to a certain social class. They weren't devoted to a certain group of people. Listen, these people were devoted to Jesus Christ, to knowing him and loving him and seeking him and going wherever he went. And as a result, people said, man, now you got to keep in mind that at this time during the early church, there were some people who had never seen Christ. But in light of the fact that they still did not, they, they had not seen Christ, they could see him in someone and say, there's a Christian. And so not only did they devote themselves to learning about Christ, they devoted themselves to acting like him wherever they went. Listen, they jumped at the opportunity to be of service. They jumped at the opportunity to meet needs. They jumped at the opportunity to work together. They jumped at the opportunity to be world changers, to make an impact. They jumped at the opportunity to love people. They jumped at the opportunity to be of service and reach people. These people were Christians. Little Christs. Little Christs. And it was because they loved God above all. You know, when you love God, it changes your perspective of people. When you love God, it changes your perspective of your husband, of your wife. When you love God, it changes your perspective of your enemies. When you love God, it changes your perspective of the challenges in this world. When you love God, it changes the way you see yourself and how you feel and how you respond to everything going on around you. And so why is this important? Why is it important in this love for God to be known as a disciple? I'm going to tell you why. Because it takes a disciple to make a disciple. It takes a believer to bring a, a, a truth to people where they would believe. People are not interested in what they hear or say about Jesus. People are interested in seeing the Jesus we believe in. And the only way that this world will ever know God is through people who love God. You know... When we profess to be Christians and we make decisions that contradict what we believe in, don't you buy the lie that nobody's watching. This world is watching. Parents, let me say something to you. Right now, the only Jesus that your kids see is the one you model at home. How you respond to things, how you, how you relate to people, how you, how you conduct yourself and the words that you say, they're listening. This world is watching. Your children are watching. People are watching. Listen, there are people that this is all brand new to them. This is all brand new. And praise God, they're in the church and they're seeking to grow and to know. But don't you buy the lie that, oh, you know, that's between them and God. I'm going to show you in a minute that it's between what God is doing in you and what you're modeling to others. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 puts it this way. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession. And he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma. Watch this. The aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Listen, as we love God and we follow Christ, as we love God and we become disciples, we experience triumphs in our lives. But don't miss what's supposed to happen along the journey. We're supposed to give off the aroma of Christ to all. Because you and I are who God uses. Listen, if you want an indication of how much you love God, ask people what you smell like. What are you talking about, Jose? What, 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 this, this just got real weird. I want you to think about what 2 Corinthians, I'm not, some of you were tempted to go, that's not what I'm talking about. Although, you know what, that can put some people off too. But I want you to think about this. The scriptures say that we are a sweet 
smelling aroma, that we are the the aroma of Christ to God, and that everywhere that we go, that that's the aroma that we give off to those who believe and those who don't. You know, I can always tell when I'm, on, when I'm around a skunk because whenever you get too close to it, you know what it does? It gives off its scent. In the same way, I want you to think about this. What do people around you smell when you come around? I'm talking figuratively here. Do you give off a scent that is so distinct that people have an encounter with Jesus Christ? It's a tough question. Listen, I'm chewing on that one myself. And I can assure you this, I have not arrived. I can assure you of that. But I want us to really kind of dig in on this. Or do they smell a negative attitude? Do they smell an unrenewed mind? Do they... Do they smell a selfish life? Do they smell a self-righteousness to you? Do they smell an insincere faith? I mean, if you want an indication of how much you love God, ask yourself. Ask yourself this. Would people even notice if I left? Think about this. Would things get worse as a result of our absence? I'm asking myself these tough questions about church at the bridge. Would this community even notice if we cease to exist all of a sudden? And it's important for us to think about this because the truth is that you and I are the very aroma of Christ everywhere we go. And it's by our love for God that we begin to give off the presence of Christ. What do you smell? And so, I want us to take a closer look at what a disciple is, what a person is that loves God. And I want to start off by saying this to you, that disciples go where Jesus is and do what Jesus did. That sounds so basic and elementary, but let's consider the scriptures. In John 12, 26, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. I want you to think about this, that what the Scriptures say is this. Jesus says, wherever I am, there my disciples will be. Let me put it to you this way. When is the light most necessary? When it's dark. Hello? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. When is salt necessary? I just heard somebody when you're eating some plantains. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen, you and I are most necessary to the kingdom. I get it. Some of us, we, we're of the opinion that we say, oh, that God's going to do it. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says that you and I are joint heirs and co-laborers with God. You know what God's saying there? He's saying that we can't do it without him, but he can't do it without you and me. We're co-laborers with Christ. And so disciples go wherever Jesus is and they do what Jesus did. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but a couple of weeks ago, um, we had a, a slew of shootings, three shootings in one night. One of them resulted in the, the death of a 20-year-old young man. Uh, very sad, sad situation. And uh, I, I saw that, I, I was uh, told that there was a meeting that was being convened by some people in the community and uh, that they wanted to talk about real solutions. What do we do? How do we, how do we address this? How do we begin to engage uh, young people in our community in a different way? And so me and Pastor Annette decided to go and we sat there that day and I, I just listened. And what I heard was a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. And what I heard was a bunch of um, great ideas. They were good ideas, but there was no God in it. And what I heard was people pulling at straws, trying to come up with solutions. And as I'm sitting there, I was reminded of something. That we're here for a purpose as the body of Christ. And, you know, recently I've been, I've been really doing some introspection, some self-introspection of myself and really evaluating, Jose, what are you doing? And I'm going to tell you this right now, that if I'm telling you, that we love God and that we are to be known 
by our love for people and that we're to be known by our service to our community and that we're to be known for excellence. Before I can ever ask you to go that route, I have to do it first. And I'm telling you right now that we here at Church at the Bridge are committed to go where Jesus goes and to do what Jesus did. And we will be a light and we will bring solutions. And so we sat there and we began to share some things. And what was interesting is that at the end of that meeting, there was a woman there that I had met a couple of months back at another uh, function. And when I met her back then, uh, she had recently lost her son to an overdose. And so she, she, was, she started a program in memory of her son to help uh, educate people on the signs uh, of addiction and how to uh, respond to them with Narcan training and all this other stuff. And I remember when, she, when I was introduced to her and I was told what had just happened to her son, tears came to my eyes. And I said to her, sweetheart, I am so sorry for your loss. And I said, but the strength that is in you, the resilience that is in you to stand up and say, I refuse to bow down to this loss, and instead I choose to be a difference maker, to reach people. And she began to cry, and, and, I, and I just began to just minister to her. I forgot all about that interaction. I see this woman this past week on Wednesday when they had this meeting, and she comes up to me, she says to me, I remember you. She says, I remember you. And she says, and what you said, because we started talking about approaching this from a standpoint of love. I said, why don't we just begin to adopt a block at a time? Let's just begin to, there's in a 3.8 mile square radius, there are so many champions in this community that care. Why don't we each just take ownership for one block at a time? And instead of telling drug dealers how bad they are and how they need to leave, why not begin to get to know their story and hear where their heart is and begin to love on them and build trust with them. And, and through that love, we begin to minister to them and we begin to help people and begin to show them a different way. And that went over the head of so many people. But this woman got it. This woman got it, and she says to me, Pastor, we need to talk. And there's some things brewing now that are going to bring about some change, but I will say this to you. I don't know about you, but I am not satisfied as to where we are as as the body of Christ here at Church of the Bridge. I'm not. I'm going to tell you that. I'm, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Oh, but we, we, we work with men in transitional facilities. Why aren't we doing that with women? Why aren't we doing that with women? Why aren't we doing that with women? Oh, but, you know, we, we give out free haircuts. Yeah, well, why aren't we going beyond what we're doing? Oh, but we do friends and family night. Great, that's awesome. I'm so excited about that. But there are more people that need to know this gospel, that need to encounter the love of God. What do you smell like? What do you smell like? I want you to think about that. See, so disciples go where Jesus is. And Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. He says, I came for the sinner. You know what I want to be known as? A friend to sinners. You know what I, mean? you know what I want to be known as? I don't want to be known by a few events that we put together throughout the year and some, some one or two things that we do here and there. I want to be known let me, let me correct that. I want Jesus to be known. And you know how that's going to happen? It's time that we get unsatisfied. You got to get to a point where you know what? I'm here, but this isn't enough. This isn't enough. I'm on mission, man. I'm telling you right now, there's, there's something brewing. And I, and, and I need you to get this, that our love for God leads us to a place where we are unsatisfied with just doing the status quo, by just doing a couple of things. No, we are called to be the light of the world, and the light always shines. Listen, God's kingdom is made up of disciples, not superstars. Listen, you know why I say that? Because I've been in places where they say, where where I've heard it said, well, that's what we pay you guys for. You're the pastor. Well, that, that's, why, that's why we have a few select people that do all the work. You know that when we have events, when we have things to reach this community, we should have a line out the door waiting to, st- to sign up. 
We should have a line out the door of people that say, no, but you went already, let me do it. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I need two volunteers real quick. Anthony, let me get you. Can I get you real quick, Pedro? I want to show you something real quick because I'm, I'm on limited time. But I want you to see something here. Grab that for me. This is a makeshift yoke. Come on over here in the middle. And here's what I want you to do. Pedro, you're going to be the older ox, right? That goes there. And Anthony, you're going to be the younger ox. Now watch what Jesus says, if we could put that back up. He says, take my yoke upon you. He says, learn from me, right? For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here's what a yoke was. Now you guys got to act like ox. You guys, so so you got to kind of, right, right? Okay, there you go, right? So here's what oxen, here's what Jesus is referring to. When a yoke was placed, you would take an older ox, right? That's my guy right here, Pedro. And you would take a younger ox, and you would yoke them together. And the reason why you would yoke them together is because you wanted to train this younger one. See, the younger ones were full of energy. And all they know to do is pull and push and push. See, he's, he's not getting it. He's not getting it. This, this younger ox not getting it, right? Now, the older ox, you know what he does? He goes slow and steady. The younger ox is pulling and he's working himself to death. And the older ox is just walking slowly, step by step. Eventually, watch what happens. The younger ox gets tired. And meanwhile, the older ox is still walking. While the younger ox is now lagging. Here's what the younger ox begins to learn. It's easier to do it his way. Because if I do it his way... Guess what I'll find? I'll find rest. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, guys. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this because Jesus is teaching us something about our love for God and about following after him. I want you to think about what he's saying here. Listen, a disciple is one who is never trying to get ahead of what Jesus is doing currently in their life. A disciple is one who's not trying to get ahead of how Jesus is working in the church. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you, we do not have it all together here at Church of the Bridge. We do not. We're not perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, can I, can I bust your bubble? It's in heaven, right? And none of you are in a rush to get to heaven, right? Just, just by way of surveying, right? So here's my point. Look. We may not have it together. We may not be where other people are, but I will tell you this. We're in step and following after Jesus. And a disciple, one who loves God, is one who's known for saying in step. They're not trying to advance themselves. A superstar, on the other hand, is one who's never satisfied with where he or she is. They're always pulling ahead of where people are in the church. They're always pulling ahead of what God is doing presently in their lives. And they always, always, always are frustrated. They're frustrated. They're tired. They go from church to church, from place to place, from thing to thing. I'll tell you why I share this with you because... Sometimes we're pulling so hard to get ahead on our own. And what we're, real, what we're not realizing is this, that we're getting apart from the very thing that we've been called to, a love for God. Jesus says, just, just stick with me. Just stay in step with me. And you'll find rest. Watch this. For your souls. He's talking about your mind. He's talking about giving us peace. He's talking about leading us in, in such a way that we, we don't live anxiously. We don't live in, in a worrisome state. We're not overwhelmed and weighed down by the cares of life. Why? Because as long as you follow him and you stay in step with him, you can continue to go longer, further, faster. You can excel. You can see the very best of God. Disciples, people who love God are not self-made. 
Matthew 4, 19 and 20 says this. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you, what? Fishers of men. Watch this. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You know, there's no such thing as lone rangers in the kingdom of God. I want you to think about this. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. Some of you, you're too young. Or or you were abused by your parents and you never watched the Lone Ranger. I get it. I didn't have a TV till we was like eight, nine years old. But listen, notice that when Jesus called the first disciples, they did not go alone. It says that they immediately left their nets. They looked at one another and they said, hey, bro, I... What he's, what he's saying is the truth. Uh, we need that. And they began to talk to one another. And they began to go together. You show me a Christian who can't connect to the local body of believers, and I'll show you a Christian who isn't following Jesus. I want you to think about this. Why? Because there's an inability to be a part of God's plan. Catching men. Being a light. Disciples have a we do it better together mentality. Lone rangers have a I can do it better on my own mentality. You want to know when you're living like a lone ranger? When you can criticize everything that somebody else is doing. Lone rangers see the fault in everything and in everyone else except themselves. Those are lone rangers. Those are also people who don't love God. I'll prove it to you. Jesus said, before you take the speck out your brother's eye, take the log out of yours. And so, disciples live to build God's kingdom, not their castles. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15. I'm reading from the Living Bible. It says, he died for all. For how many? Oh, that was weak. How many? All. Oh, this, this side got it. This, this, side, this side definitely got it. We're going to work with you guys. There's still hope. There's grace. There's mercy. But watch this. It says, he died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life from him, might live, watch this, no longer for themselves. To please themselves. But to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. People who love God live to advance God's purposes, not their own. Let me tell you a couple of things that I've learned along the way in ministry and just in life. That people that love God are teachable. People that love God are faithful. People that love God are enthusiastic about anything that serves to please God and advance his kingdom's reach. I'm reminded of uh, something that that Paul says, I believe it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I think it's verse 2 or 3 around there. But Paul says this to Timothy. He says, says, entrust to faithful, he says, what what you've heard from me among many witnesses, he says, entrust to faithful men who are able to teach to others. Now I want you to see two things there. Paul says, faithful and able. Faithful and able. Listen, there are many people that are faithful, but not able. Some people aren't. So if you're not faithful and able, then you know, okay, there's still some development there. There are other people who are well able, but aren't faithful. And so why, why do I share that with you? Because it's important to understand that we as believers, God gives us the ability to be faithful to be teachable, and ability to do something for the kingdom. And if we're slacking or we're lacking or we're withdrawing or we're backing up, here's what we're not doing. We're not growing. And so we got to understand that God has not called us to be Christians for our benefit. He's called us to be Christians for his benefit and for the benefit of others. I want you to imagine that someone in the room is dying of a disease right at this moment 
and there's someone in this room who has the vaccine but doesn't do anything about it. What would you think about that person? Why would you hold that back? Why would you keep that from, from, from this person who's, who's suffering, who's in need, who's going through convulsions, who's dying slowly? I mean, we're, we're all watching him die. Do you realize that that's a visual of where we are today in the world? Do you realize that there are people that don't know God, don't want to know God, question if there even is a God? And here we are walking around with the vaccine. What are we going to do about it? Disciples live to build God's kingdom, not their castles. And so for the next moments that we have here, I want to point your attention to the book of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it just gives us a, a visual perspective of the first disciples and what happened. I want you to consider what it says, starting at verse 1 of Luke 5. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore. Listen closely to this. They left everything. And they followed him. They followed him. Here what we see is, it's the account of Peter's first, Peter and, and some of the other disciples' first encounter with Jesus. And listen, what we see is that these guys had spent all night trying to catch some fish. In other words, they went to the limit. They got so far and they said, well, we didn't catch anything. Let's call it quits. We've been unsuccessful. And then Jesus happens to be on the shore and he's being pressed in by the crowds to such an extent that as he sees Peter washing his nets and leaving empty-handed, he says, Peter, Simon Peter, take me out on your boat and let's go out a little bit further. And as he gets out, Jesus is teaching and Peter's hearing about this love of God, about this plan that God has. And then Jesus is done, and he says to Peter, Peter, let's go a little bit deeper. I pray some of you are listening with the ears of your heart at this moment. And Peter says, Jesus, I've been there. I've done that. I've done everything I can do. There's no more to do. Jesus I've been doing this for years. I'm known as a fisherman in the community. And Jesus says, Peter, go deeper and cast your nets. And the Bible says that Peter goes and he says, at your word, I'll do it. And so as he goes out, Peter drops his nets. And I imagine that Peter expected nothing. After all, He'd already been there. 
But you see, what Peter failed to realize is that the difference was that Jesus was now in the boat. Can I encourage you with something? For some of us, we've been striving in our love for God. We've been striving to produce something for the kingdom. We've been striving to be better parents on our own. We've been striving to excel in our careers on our own. We've been striving in the church to to be known or to, to be active or something. And maybe what you've forgotten is who's in the boat with you. The Bible says that when Peter drops the nets, that the catch is so overwhelming that he says, hey, guys, anyone on shore, come on over here. I need your help. And these guys get out there, and they can't believe their eyes, and they're rowing out there, and they finally get out there. And the Bible says that they fill two boats with so many fish that the boats begin to sink. You know what I find wild about this story? The boats are sinking, but they somehow make it back to shore. Listen, this love for God, this life lived as a disciple, is one that will so overtake you and fill your cup to such an extent that your life will overflow. It will overflow. It will overflow. So I want you to consider this. Peter had gotten to his limit. And what we learn here is that you'll go further, faster as you follow Jesus. As you commit to be a disciple. To not just be someone who's known for something that you do in relation to Christianity. But for someone who's known by the Christ that lives in you. You will go further. You will go further. You will go further. You will go faster. Because God is in your life. Peter's livelihood and his identity were all tied up in his career as a fisherman. But Jesus got into his boat. And he took him to deeper waters. Which leads me to my second point. That you'll experience life change. What are we talking about here? Peter had devoted his life to fish. To fish. In those days, when you were a fisherman, it wasn't just a job you had. It was your identity in society. It was passed on from your grandfather to your father to you, and you'd pass that on to your children. So this was who you were. And Peter had devoted his life to fish, but after his experience with Christ, he realized that he didn't have life at all. Peter found himself confronted with the the error of his way, and he realized, I thought I was a fisherman. And he realized, I'm a sinner. I need God. I need purpose for my life. I need something more. And watch what Jesus responds to him. See, Peter was about to jump out of the boat because he's like, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I'm no good to be before you. And watch what Jesus says to him in verse 10. It says, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, you no longer have to worry about that. Why? Because Jesus had taken him deeper to prove to him that there was something greater for his life. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is inviting you and I to go deeper because there's something greater. God is calling you and I to go deeper in this relationship with God because there's something greater he wants to do in and through you. Listen, you're just getting started. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. You know what I realized? I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Listen, the finish line is ahead of you. Why not run the race to finish? Like Peter, Jesus isn't moved by our circumstances, by our shortcomings. He's moved by the finish goal. He's calling you and I to something greater, which leads me to my last point. That when you love God and you're committed to follow after him as a disciple, you'll live with a greater purpose. In one moment with Jesus, Peter went from being a fisherman to a fisher of men. Peter's love for God took him from catching fish in a lake called Gennesaret to leading him to reach the world. The world. 
I want you to see something here that you might feel like you've found meaning and purpose for your life in something, in someone, somehow. But I ask you, how's that working for you? Here's how you know when you're going where God is leading you. Is it expanding you? Is it expanding your ability to believe? Is it challenging you to have faith beyond what you've ever had or known? Is your vision for life, your purpose for life bigger than you? Bigger than your household? Bigger than your children? Bigger than your wallet? Bigger than, your, than, 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 than what benefits you? Because if it isn't, you're not living life on purpose. You're not living life with purpose. So is it expanding you? And is it giving life a new definition for you? It isn't until you discover something bigger than yourself that you begin the journey of life with purpose. For Peter, it started with a love for Jesus and a decision to follow and become his disciple. Today as we stand, I want you to think about something. We did a little something earlier. We took a moment to just look at ourselves. And here at Church at the Bridge, and personally for, and individually for each and every one of us, I want you to consider something. Where are you with your love for God? Is your love for God taking you beyond your love for yourself? Is it changing the perspective that you have on life? You know, this past week I was facilitating a connect group and we came upon the book of Revelations in chapter 2 where Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, he says, man, you've done great things, but I hold this one thing against you. You've forgotten your first love. Your first love. Our love for God is what will teach people and show people that God loves them. Hey, think about this. There's a world in need of solutions. There's, there's communities in need of solutions. There are households in need of solutions. There are marriages in need of solutions. There are men, there are women, there are children in need of Christ. And our love for God is the first vehicle that God uses. It brings a sweet-smelling aroma of Jesus. It transforms the hearts of people. It introduces people to Christ in a way that goes well beyond words. It's time that we make the choice that in my love for God, I'm devoted, I'm committed to following Jesus, to being one who's interested in this, not for the short term, but to learn for the rest of my life to follow Christ. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us daily to yoke ourselves to you, to follow after you. And Lord, as we do, we begin to reveal unto a dying world the solution for life. I thank you, Father, that today in the hearing of your word, faith is stirred up. Lives are renewed. Minds are transformed. Lord, we see differently all by your great and precious love. Our love for you, Lord. You say in your word that we love because you first loved us. Today, Lord, help us to leave here, but not to leave here without a love for you. Open our eyes to see a world in need. Give us the words to speak. Show us the strategy in which to reach people because, Lord, there's a world that needs to know Christ. And, Lord, here at Church at the Bridge, we commit that in everything that we do, it will exemplify it will lift up the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, and trust in your word that as the name of Jesus is lifted up, Lord, you draw all men unto you, Lord. We say we love you. Say that with me. We love you, Lord. 
Now, I want you to say that like you mean, and I want you to raise your hands up, and I want you to begin to talk to God, and I want you to begin to be intimate with God, and I want you to begin to go past your feelings, past your circumstances, past your challenges, because the people that love God serve God, or people that love God worship God, or people that love God seek God, or people that love God don't need someone to pump them up. They come pumped up. They come seeking God. And so, Father, we praise you, and we bless you, and we lift up the name of Christ. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. They will know that you are my disciples. This is by your love for one another. Listen closely to what he said. They will know that you're my disciples by your love. Your love. Father, today we thank you for your word. We receive it. And we embrace it, Lord, as truth for our lives. Hey, if there's anyone here, and maybe this whole deal of loving God, knowing God, you've never, you've never known it, you've never understood it. But today what you, you, you're hearing and what you're seeing is that, wow, I thought I knew God or I thought I was good, but I've been leading my own life. I've been doing things my own way. If that's you, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment. But if you're recognizing that today, then here's what you're also realizing. Man, I need the Lord. I need something different. You're in a place of awakening, and if that's where you are, I want to encourage you to accept this simple gift that God loves you so much that he died and paid the price, the penalty for sin for you and I so that we wouldn't have to pay it. He's absolved us of that weight, and instead he declares us free and holy and loved and purposeful and useful for life. He gives us meaning. And so if that's where you are and today you believe that, then join us in this prayer as we close out. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you're my Lord, my Savior, and my God. And from this day forward, I'm following you, and I devote my love to you. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate all that God's doing in your life. Don't leave here without telling somebody the decision you've made. We want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, dads, go ahead and stop by for some floats at the cafe. We're celebrating fathers.